0: Calling all cars The copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company Welcome to police calling all cars The French all cars broadcast 118 Be on the lookout for John Happel Described as small, thin, age 58, last seen in the vicinity of his home on Vernon Avenue. This man is wanted for questioning regarding the murder of his wife.
1: That's all. Oh.
0: It is obvious that the police of the most important cities and counties in the West would not be specifying Rio Grande crash gasoline exclusively for police cars and other emergency equipment, unless tests had conclusively proved that it was the fastest, starting, and most powerful gasoline that money could buy, as well as quickest on the getaway. You have all heard how Rio Grande's exclusive patented cracking process creates a gasoline that is recognized by petroleum experts as the very finest that can be produced. Now, listen to another refining advance perfected by Rio Grande. All cracked gasoline now goes to additional refining processes, which extracts all sluggish, low-burning, lazy elements, leaving only concentrated energy. Now, Rio Grande Craft offers a finer gasoline than ever before. It seems the finest gasoline money can buy. Yet it costs you no more to enjoy this police car performance. And now it is our pleasure to present Chief Jane E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Good evening, friends. The story you were here tonight is an unusual one. In this case, the investigating officers were not faced with the usual type of killer, but with the man who, from all outside appearances, would be the last person in the world to suspect of murder. However, in this case, appearances were deceiving, as was proved and leak after leak was forged in the chain of evidence against him. Until the final day when he broke down and confessed, the killer led the officers on a long, hard chase. But it proved again that although the criminal may elude capture for sometimes a week, sometimes a year, in the end, he is bound to be caught. It is a clear, shiny sunny day in December, in a small bungalow court on Vernon Street, in the southeast section of the Mrs. Rose Tappell is busy hanging out to work when her next-door neighbor, Mrs. Alfred Wyatt, stops by on her way to work. for a morning fast. Good morning, Mrs.
2: Tappell. A beautiful days are so close to Christmas, isn't it? It's good, isn't it certainly is, Mrs. Wyatt. Now, when I think of the cold and storms, we used to have back home at this time of the year, <laughs> I'm mighty glad I'm living in California. Mm-hmm. That's the way my husband and I feel about it, too. But sometimes when it gets kind of cold in the early morning and I start to complain, I ask to look at me kind of funny and say, I'd do like to be back in Chicago right now. We're at seven below. <laughs> that always makes me realize how little I really have to complain about. Yes, I guess that's right. Here mm. comes to husband.
1: Morning,
2: Mr. Happel. Good morning, Mrs. Wyatt. Well,
1: I must be on my way, Mrs. Happel. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs. Wyatt. Where are you going? No, don't go start my day off. I'm at me about work. I'm going out to look for a job as soon as I have some coffee. I, I
2: wasn't going to mention that. I don't see where you got the idea, that I'm always nagging you. Uh,
1: where you are. I can't say much more of it. Is there any coffee on the fire?
2: I think they're selling the pot. We'll have to warm it up. All right. I'll be in just as soon as I finish
1: coming off the clothes. Yeah, a nice household when a man has to do his own cooking. Yeah, not enough coffee, yeah. Rose! Rose! What's on? Where do you keep the coffee? There isn't any left in the pot.
3: Oh well, well wait a
2: 2nd I'm also
1: going to make you more? more. Nah, you don't have to exert yourself. Just tell me where to find the coffee, and I'll make it myself. Oh, I haven't making it for you, you're
2: gone. Hey, you sit down over there and read the paper, and I'll have some
1: fixed in a minute. <laughs> funny you being nagged about it. You must want something.
2: John, what makes you so disagreeable? Are you feeling all right? Of course I'm
1: feeling all right. Good as a can to you. You nagging me all the time. Oh, you talk nice in front of people, but I know what you're thinking. I can see by the way you look at me that you think I'm a lazy good-for-nothing. Well, uh, maybe I am. All right, John.
4: Don't
2: get yourself all worked up over it. Read the paper or something until I finish making the coffee. Never mind
1: the coffee. I don't want it now. I'm going out and see if I can find some work. Anything to get away from you.
2: You've got me worried, John. Sometimes I think you're not sane. I'm
1: not sane. That's the last straw. That's the only thing you haven't said before. Yeah, I might have known you'd think of it sooner or later. I am, sane. You're the one that's crazy. you crazy as a
2: John, for heaven's sake, calm down. Your heart won't stand it. My heart
1: won't stand it. I won't stand it. I'm sick and tired of you. Talk, talk, talk all the time. I won't stand it any longer, I tell you that. i think of something. Some way to make you keep quiet.
2: John. Please oh, don't go out in such a condition.
1: You're liable to get into trouble. Trouble. You're the biggest trouble I have. I won't have you much longer. You wait. I won't have to listen to you much longer. Just you wait and see.
0: John spends turns today looking for employment nursing himself made ways, finding ways of thwarting his wife. And that night, he returns to the bungalow court, enters the house, and walks into the bedroom where his wife was under.
2: Is that you, John? Uh, yes.
1: It's me, Rose. You
2: sound tired. Have any luck? Uh,
1: I didn't get a job. That's what you mean by luck.
2: Oh, well, maybe things will be better tomorrow. You look as though you could stand a good night's sleep.
1: Oh, did you lend me a dollar night?
2: Yeah,
1: right now. Well, what in the world do you want a dollar for now? You're going to bed. I'm not going to bed. I only came home to ask you for a dollar. Well, well, I haven't
2: anyone in the house tonight, John. Won't tomorrow be time enough?
1: What? I'm afraid tomorrow will be too late. What's
2: the matter with you, John? What
1: are you thinking about? Nothing that matters. At least... Not to you. You're not going out again. I am. I'll be back in a minute. I just want to get
0: something. Get something? Of course. I'll show you in a minute. You know what I mean when I come back. No dreams were in the end of the night. John Huffle goes directly to the small door room in the backyard. John in the back with a object hanging on the wall. Find it. We entered the house. As he opens the bedroom door, his wife passes toward him. Low he raises his arm, a heavy iron bar held firmly in his right hand. Then, sensing his presence, his wife turns, sees him. No.
4: No.
0: No. The following Tuesday, December the 4th, Alfred Wyatt, the next door neighbor, notices that the blinds in the Happel House are full shut. That the bungalow has an air of mm-hmm. Finding the door unlocked, he enters. Discovers blood on the walls of the bedroom. Calls the police. Captain William J. Bradley of the Newton Street Police Station sends Detective Frank Prince and EA to investigate the Havel bungalow. The two officers are met the bungalow by wire. It may not be anything at all, but well, I thought sort I of ought to notify you. There's an awful lot of blood in there. You've really been to the airbring, Mr. Warrior. Is this the bungalow? Yes, yes, this is the one. Right in here. I threw this door over here you off know, in the bedroom. There, yeah, on the bed and all over the wall. Holy Jupiter fight, look at that. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Mr. West, I don't think you, know, you made any mistake in calling the police. This is the case with a homicide squad. Uh, you mean to think somebody's been murdered? That's right, Mr. West. Who lives here? Why Mr. And Mrs. Apple, uh, they there busy some time. When did you see them last?
4: Well, my wife
0: talked to Mrs. Apple last Saturday. Yes, she said she saw Mr. Apple Saturday too. Every bit of it around here. See if we can dig up. Right. Hey, if someone's been killed. Where's the body? That would be just as You look around the house after you discovered this. Oh no, sir. I just called you. What got back in that little shed? Oh, a bunch of old furniture and stuff. The Apple's used for a storeroom. Well, there's, a, there's a couple of trunks out there I noticed, but I, I don't think they're there last week. You better hear them live there, Come on in, Ed. Right. You sure those trunks weren't there last week? Oh, well, positive. I, I noticed them to the first thing when I got here today. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll just enjoy them. So it's heavy enough. Let's go with the book. Mm-hmm. How about the lock? Is it fastened? All three. Yep. Locked tight. Check without the have
4: Yeah.
0: Use the screwdriver. That ought to do the trick. Now to lift the lid. Hmm. Bunch of old clothes. Here. Yeah. Good down on that coat. Locked. you better phone headquarters, headquarter there and tell them to send out the more ambulances. Yeah. Time of the Disney discovery, Captain Bradley immediately called Chief Joe Taylor, the Los Angeles Detective Force, who in turn notified Captain Bert Wallace at the detail. of the homicide in and In him to send Detectives Elise Canderson and R. Eaton out to the desk trunk below for taking the investigation. This done, Captain Bradley, accompanied by Detectives Collins, Johnson, Cody, and Conway, proceeded to the scene of the crime. Like that. Okay. This is the place, all right, Collins. I'll let
3: you hear
0: all these speakers, but it's done well already. Yeah, Yeah, hello there. Hello, gentlemen, Robert. Thanks for going back. Yeah, I've got Tinker with me to look for Prince and Oliver and Davis to see some pictures. Let's go back then. Right. All right, you people, come on, clear out of the way now. You wouldn't want to see it if we would let you. Got any leads? Well, yeah, it looks like an open and easy to do gave her husband. The neighbor's me he did an eccentric old bird it was always telling people how bad he was heated by her. She had a persecution complex, your gentleman. Well, as you know, nobody knew the fellow who called you saw him last. That's a tragedy. You haven't even seen it all in Have you got a description of him? Yeah, was just going to put it in and you were there. you we better do that now and get it on the state teletype. If he did do it, he's probably out of town by now. I'll go round back and look things over while you has Hello, Ed. What have we got? It's plenty. Take a look. Hmm of the body in order to get it into the front, huh? Just that. We've got the estimate that it was done with. A small hand saw he found hanging in the clothes closet. Ticker's going over it for food. What do you know about this apple fellow? Well, he's got a son living here in Los Angeles. Thought you probably want to go over and see him. I'll send two of the boys over to bring him in. I'm going
4: back to the office.
0: as, soon as you boys, get all you want from here. Send the body over to the morgue and check with me. Right. Turning to his office, Captain Bradley settles down to the of piecing together the little nose about Apple. Then he saw the upper man of last, Detectives Colin and Johnston, accompanied by Apple's son, Fred, walking into the Hello, boys. This is Fred Apple, Captain. How do you do, Mr. Apple? Sit down over here. What's the trouble, Captain? And did you answer your stepmother, Apple? My stepmother? You mean Rose? Yes, yeah, that's uh, her name. Why, I guess it was the day before Thanksgiving came over to tell me that she and Dad were going to move back to their farm in St. James, Missouri. Got a small gas stove at her house and told me that I could have it if I came over and get it. Did you? Well, as a matter of fact, I was too busy. Didn't get around to it till last Saturday. Did you see her then? No. Dad was there and he told me to see the doctor listening for the SERA. He helped me to load the stove in my car. Did your father seem nervous? Not yet. more than he has been for the past year. He's been in pretty bad shape, mentally and physically, for some time. Have you any idea where he is now? Well, no, not the slightest. Say, he's in some kind of trouble, isn't he? I'm afraid he is. We'll talk about that later. Now, the main thing is, I want you to tell us everything you can remember about the relationship between your stepmother and your father. How'd they get along? Well, no, not so
4: well. Dad
0: was always telling us how she mistreated him. Said that she had enough money to support both of them, but she wouldn't uh, give him any. Mr. Apple, if you have any objections to taking your fingerprints? Why, oh, yeah. nearly for comparison. Uh, well, no. no, no, I wouldn't have any. Good. In the meantime, I want you to take a little trip with me. Shouldn't take more than 10 or 15 minutes.
4: All right.
0: Only I wish you'd tell me what this is all about. You'll know shortly. Come on down with me. i are going to the morgue. <laughs> more. A few minutes later, Captain Bradley's pilot young Apple down a long line of marble slabs. Finally, standing in front of one covered by a plain light, looking at the pale young man, Bradley reaches down, lifts the sheet. Oh my God! Is that your stepmother? Yes. That's Rose. Oh my God! How horrible! <laughs> Identification of the mutilated body complete, the law begins the task of building a case against John Happle. From a farmer, they learn,
4: I've been in John, for
0: a long time. I've been in law to kill him for months. And on December 4th, he's coming to my shop. He's ordered a kid in a haircut. He says he's going up back east to buy a farm. And he's a pay-a-mute with a $10 bill. He's a clumber from a real big enough to cope a cop. crop. From the pillar in the bank where Rose Happel kept a savings account. Why, yes. Mr. Happle came into the bank and presented a check for $491.30, signed by his wife. It a $12 savings account, but the signature looked genuine enough. I gave him the cash without a question. A close inspection of the check in comparison with others, signed by Rose Happle establishes it as a forgery. In the little shack where the trunk was found, detectives discovered a heavy iron bar used to murder the victim. Little by little, the facts forged a chain of evidence which points directly at John Happel. Without his whereabouts, no place to be found. Then, on December 14th, two weeks after the murder, detectives take out the death bungalow, take a letter addressed to Happel from the postman and turn it over to Captain Bradley. It is signed by a person named Meyer and mentioned certain business eating. The letter is postmarked St. James, Missouri. Acting upon this, through a wire sent to the chief of police in St. Louis requesting him to be on the lookout for Happel and giving him a complete description. And in St. Louis, the policeman Emil Hopkins, reading the name in the police bulletin, recalls the fact that he knows of William Happel, John's brother, who lives in Maxwell, just outside of St. Louis. Suspecting that the wanted John Happel would get in touch with his brother, the policeman Emil Hopkins drives to Maxwell and for two days mingles with the inhabitants, keeps his ears open for any bit of news of Apple. On the third day, his patience is watered while he is ordering in the general store. He overhears a couple of farmers state that their old friend John Apple has just taken the bus for Arnold. Hopkins intercepts the bus, arrests Apple, and takes him to headquarters in St. Louis. And there, surrounded by several members of the St. Louis Police Department, John Apple amazes his audience with his calm, dispassionate account of the brutal murder. Anyway,
1: that morning we had a fight in he ran me out of the house with the broom, kept hit me on the back with it. Told me to get out and not come back till I had a job. What did you do then? Oh I went out and thought it over. Then that night I came home and as soon as I saw her I decided I'd do what I'd said I'd do. So I got a piece of pipe. Where did you get the pipe? Out of the little shed and back where I kept a bunch of stuff. I used to sit out there and think in the daytime. It was the only place where I could get any cheese. Anyway, I got the pipe, and when I walked in, she was sitting on the bed, taking off a chopper. So I just reached over and hit her on the head. Then what did you do? Well, I fell down and thought it over and decided I'd better put her somewhere. So I found the trunk I had in the house, and I dragged it in, and what a it? Didn't you feel badly about it? Killing Rose? No, she had it coming to her. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do any difference. She had it coming to her.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, mm-hmm. Continuing in detail, the, the little thin man makes a complete
0: confession, and seems to be glad that he's going back to the Angeles to face trial. Puzzled over his apparent desire to return to the authorities, Luke tries to question half but receives only the information that he's glad that his tent is over, but that he wants to get back to California where it's has So on December 22nd, Deputy George Chalmers of the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office arrives in St. Louis, completes the legal procedure of expedition, and starts to bring back to Los Angeles with capital in company.
4: Three
0: days later, on Christmas, two women, Mrs. Minna Kramer, Mrs. Elise Vinehart of St. Louis, drive up to the small farm near St. James, where their brother Henry Myers lives in lonely solitude, each out of their existence on the wind of prairie. Arriving at the farm shortly before noon, the women sent a scene of position about the ramshackle white house.
3: I told the horn, and I blew it on the back road there. He usually comes out to meet me. Maybe not well. i never did the here on a discharge, and I hear all I and I get sick. We'd better go in and see what's the
4: matter.
3: <coughs> I feel queer inside of you. There's
2: something wrong
3: here.
2: I oh, that's funny. i feel the same say no. <coughs>
3: Miss Dawn. Just follow me about something. Come on, Elise. Tell me. Oh. The parents coming from around the just somewhere. Here's the path. Follow me. Tell me. Tell me. Where are you? Lillian, oh. you know, that door will be on the back porch. I'm going to look. I'll go with you. Tell me if you want to see me. What oh. are you there's a dog, Minna. He's
4: standing
3: over something. Oh, you know. He's been
4: through the head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: A few hours later, accompanied by several members of the St. Louis Police Department, Chief McCarthy is investigating the scene of the crime. Now let's see. and smash between the eyes. Looks like a 12 caliber rifle. I can't
3: think who would want to do a thing like this to Henry. He had no enemies that
0: I know of. Did he own this farm?
3: No. I think he rented it.
0: From John Apple, who lives somewhere out on the coast. John Apple? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, this is why he was so eager to get back to California. Apprised <laughs> by wires of new developments, detectives Colling and Johnson bring Apple into Captain Bradley's office for questions. Sit down, Mister Apple. We've got a few more questions to ask you.
1: Don't you people ever run out of things fast?
0: Not as long as you keep giving us reasons to ask them. Apple, why did you shoot Henry Myers? What? You heard what I said. Why did you kill Henry Myers? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Who's Henry Myers? Oh, you
1: deny knowing a man named Myers in Saint James, Missouri? Of course I do. I don't even remember ever having been in any place called Saint James. Might have passed through it on a bus, but that's all. Yes, yeah, people back there who remember you when you lived there
0: say that you were in Saint James on the day that Henry Myers was last seen alive. If you mention the fact that you were going out to talk business to him, how about that? I don't know anything about it. I killed Rose, but I don't know anything about Henry Myers. Cabot? you want to take that trip all over again? you want to go back in all that cold and face the people you knew in St. James and have them identify you? No. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen if you don't tell us the truth about this. Because we know as well as you do that you killed Henry Myers. We've got letters written by him to your wife talking about the farm. All right. Be quiet
1: for a minute and I'll tell you. I can't stand people there with me. I'll tell you.
0: That's more like it.
4: Now,
1: tell us about it. Well, Rose, it's tried to get him to move off the farm, but... pay some rent on it for a long time. I wouldn't do it. Said the farm wasn't worth anything and then he wouldn't get off it. So when I got back there, I thought I'd go and either get some money from him or drive him off.
4: Did you like own that farm?
1: Yes. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, I went out to the farm and told him who I was and he began to tell me all about the trouble he had trying to make a living and all that and I told him I didn't care. And all I wanted was some money or for him to clear out. Well, so what happened? Well, he insisted that he couldn't pay anything and it made me mad. I had stopped in a little town and bought a small rifle and I had it wrapped up in a package. So I we talked, he sat down on the we talked, he sat down on the we talked, he sat down on the bed, and I started to put the bed and I started to put the gun together. What did he do then? Nothing. Oh, I got a little gun, and I Yes. I was going to make him get off the property with it.
0: Didn't he try to stop you from putting the gun together? No. He
1: just smiled at me, it made me even madder. So I finished assembling the rifle and put a cartridge in it. When he started to look at me, I pulled the trigger, and he fell over backwards. There wasn't any noise. It's like he fell down without saying anything.
0: Tell me, Mr. Happel, just what did you think you were going to gain by shooting this man? Gain?
1: Well, I suppose I figured on gaining anything. Only my wife had told him to get off, and now I was telling him to get off, and he wouldn't do it, and he made me mad. So I got him. On February 11,
0: 1935... John Happel goes to trial before Superior Court Judge Charles W. Smith, pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. But Doctors Edwin Waits and Benjamin Blank, after carefully reviewing the case and examining the accused man's mind, declare: Hello there, man. I first, first the man undoubtedly has a twisted purpose of persons in a strange persecution complex, because the belief of my associates, Doctor Blake and myself, that Mr. Happel is not."
4: suffering
0: from any form of insanity. And a few days after this damaging piece of days, after this damaging chief of testimony, Deputy District Attorney Starman closes his summary with the words: There can be no doubt about it. This man, John Hathaway, planned the murder of his wife, personally, knew exactly what he was going to do, and it with willful, intensity. kill. In he's a cunning, strange being. Guilty beyond all doubt of first degree murder. And on February 15th, 1935, John Apple, the jury has found you to be guilty of murder in the first degree. Before this court passes, said the you, and then have you anything to say?
1: She shouldn't have nagged that note. John I sentence you to life imprisonment these ten prison candidates. Life in the pen? That's fine, Judge. Now I'll have three square meals a day, and nobody can nag at (laughs) me. That suits me fine, Judge.
0: This unusual murder case, see the latest issue of the Calling All Cars News, which your neighborhood independent Rio Grande dealer will gladly give anyone absolutely free of charge. While you're in this station, we hope you will fill up your tank with Rio Grande trapped gasoline. And see for yourself why it is specified for more police, fire, and emergency cars than any other brand. If you need oil... (laughs) Your real Grande dealer offers you the only 25-cent canned motor oil that's guaranteed to be free from wax and useless petroleum jelly. Same clear opaline motor oil But only 25 cents per short can. This oil is guaranteed to give perfect lubrication at the highest or lowest temperatures where other oils break down. It is a fact that you absolutely do get greatest value for your money from your real grande dealer. Clark Jacqueline and Sinclair Motor Oils have made real brandy the fastest growing oil company in the world because they are such outstandingly superior values. 73 car oil cars, the oil car, the cancellation broadcast 118. The uh, this case is now in cut That's all. Frozen questions.